It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What do advanced statistical models say for BYU's chances of getting a bounce-back win this weekend against Wyoming? We'll delve into that ahead on today's edition of Locked On Cougars, as well as answering your questions in a mailbag. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Our title sponsor today is our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is going to covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. We are very proud to be also be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto is your team every day, and as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. So thank you for making some time to join us here. Our goal simply stated, my goal simply stated, is to make you the smartest BYU fans in the room. All right, let's get right into it today. And there's a lot going on, obviously, with BYU. A lot of angst out there with regards to BYU's inability to get that win last week uh, against the Oregon Ducks. I'm actually, I probably should have done this before, you know, I I decided to uh, do this. But I'm going to do this as we go live time here. Uh, When it comes to BYU and their chances of bouncing back, against the University of Wyoming. I shared uh, this graphic uh, a while back uh, when we were talking about the Baylor game, I believe. I might have done it for USF as well. But Stats of War, his name is Parker, he does a really, really good job on the internet at uh, really breaking things down when it comes to uh, games week to week. So he put out his latest uh, edition of his advanced analytics for the Wyoming versus BYU game. You guys should be able to see this here on your screen. Now, uh, when you're looking at this, it's a whole lot of numbers, and you're probably wondering, what in the world is this if you have not seen it before? So, like I said, it's advanced analytics that look at different uh, scenarios for BYU and Wyoming when it comes to how they have played so far this season. Now, Wyoming is currently 3-1 and one on the season, but as you can see right up here at the top, the win probability number, BYU 95.46%, just under 5% uh, in terms of an upset according to a Parker's forecasting here. He's forecasting a blowout as well. 32.68 points for BYU against just nine for the Cowboys. The line for this game, we'll talk about our friends at Bet Online a little bit later on. It's been as high as 22 and a half, and it's kind of settled in around like 22, it looks like. Uh, I'll see if I can get an update before we do uh, talk about them a little bit later on. But the other thing about this is when it comes to Wyoming, look at all of these red numbers. When it comes to these stat charts, when it uh, with regards to what Stats Award does here, Parker here, Stats Award war on Twitter. I'd follow him if, if you if you like stuff like this. Red numbers are bad. That means you are in the lower half of all college football teams. Blue numbers, that's where you want to be. Now, BYU has plenty of red numbers in their own right. The most glaring right here is their offensive success rate. Look at that offensive success rate.
rate for the rush uh, offense, 116th in the nation. That's out of 131 teams, folks. they got to get that rectified. Uh, the other thing about this is their uh, defensive success rate on, in rush defense, once again, 111th in the country. And then overall, the defensive success rate overall, 94th. So BYU is doing just fine, it looks like, in the pass department. Actually, they're 18th in terms of the success rate on offense, 50th in pass rate defensive defensive success rate. So the numbers are kind of glaring. BYU's been very good throwing the ball and also defending against the pass, but defending the run and running the football themselves have been very, very tough for BYU. Now, the good news is, you look on the other side over here for Wyoming, 123rd in EPA expected points added margin. They're, they're just bottom 10 in that category. BYU and EPA conversely is 47th there. So, excuse me, they're 70th. They're kind of right in the middle for, for right now. Uh, th- so, the good news is it looks like BYU should be able to roll to a victory, but those glaring numbers, that rush defense offensive success rate is absolutely abysmal right now, and many of you would agree with that. We're all hoping that BYU can get their run game going here, and that's going to be a big key for BYU's chances of really blowing out Wyoming. They've got to be able to control the clock, time of possession at home, get the requisite possessions they need to score enough points to secure the victory, but... There's a lot going for BYU in this matchup, and in many ways, this is just my personal opinion. I don't necessarily have anything off of what Parker put here that screams to me. This is just, the the statistics do help me feel better about saying this, but I think this is almost the perfect uh, rebound, uh, if if you will, as BYU takes on Wyoming. It was a tough loss against Oregon. There's no real good feeling to come out of that game, really. In in any sense it feels like but I think if you're a BYU fan right now you can uh, rest easy knowing a little bit that uh, BYU is going to I think have a very good opportunity in this game now if you're listening to this on the regular podcast sphere whether it's Apple Podcasts Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts you guys know the litany of them uh, you can go find Stats of Wars graphic here I've retweeted on the Locked On Cougars Twitter feed and you can find it there but the biggest thing is the the win probability. This should be a win for BYU. They should go out there, roll, get back into the win column, be sitting at 3-1 and one in their own right, and likely if they do take care of business and have a nice margin of victory, like this one says, 32 points, so the very in theory, that could be this could be a game where it's 33-10 to 10, roughly, and nobody's going to blink an eye, and you'd probably move up in the national polls. That would also mean you covered the spread according to what our bet, friends at Bet Online have currently, and if you are in the betting sphere, it's not a bad uh, thing to to take to the bank. So there is a lot going for BYU when it comes to this matchup. Like I said, the the Oregon loss left a bitter taste in almost everybody's mouth. In many ways, it felt like a throwback to the tail end of last season for the Cougars, and I don't see why anybody would be happy with how things went for BYU in that matchup. But the hope is this week they get back into the win column, take care of Wyoming, turn around five days later and take on Utah State on a Thursday night, and hopefully are closing out the month of September with a 4-1 record. The crazy thing about this is, think about this. Going into the season, I had set that 9-3 and three was probably the benchmark I felt like for BYU's overall season. If you're sitting at 4-1, and one, there's no reason to think that you can't surpass potentially a 9-3 and three season if you continue to take care of your business out there on the, on the gridiron. So, I... I <laughs> I don't want to completely overreact to the Oregon loss. Maybe I did a little bit with some of my postcast analysis, but the more I think about this, I think this is actually going to be more, I guess, of a... I'm going to call it an outlier until proven otherwise. Now, if Wyoming comes into Provo and all of a sudden runs the ball down BYU's throat and the Cougars are unable to stop it, well, then, you know... 
we can probably have a bigger conversation about just the overall uh, lack of BYU's ability to compete because this is a Wyoming team that should be overmatched. They're coming to Provo for the first time in quite some time. I'm sure their fans are going to be uh, having the time of their life because in many ways, Wyoming has looked at BYU for many, many years as their quote-unquote Super Bowl, especially since Lavelle Edwards took over 50 years ago. BYU's essentially made Wyoming their whipping boy in many ways since that time. But uh, there, there's a lot going for BYU in this match. But I, I think that you should feel confident if you're a Cougar fan in BYU's opportunity to go out there and win this football game. Now, with regards to other uh, things going on with the BYU football program, the Dallin Holker situation, some BYU basketball stuff, that's why the rest of the show is dedicated to you, the fans. It is a mailbag edition of the show. We're going to answer your questions right after we talk about our friends, a new friend in our friends at NewGenix. Now, what it is, is NewGenix is a, is, a, 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 is a deal as we get older as men, let's be real. You may get a little bit of that dad bod, feeling a little less like your old self. You don't have time to work out, but you want to have the energy and body you once had. That is where NewGenix comes in and wants to help you guys out. What it is, NewGenix contains man-boosting key ingredients like testophen. It's been validated in five clinical studies to show to boost free testosterone levels in men. Because NewGenix total T boosts free testosterone that the aging process robs. You'll feel stronger, leaner, with more energy and drive, and more passion too. Your partner will also notice the difference. The best part is, while every product professes quality, many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than, cl- than clinical grade, if I can get those words out of my mouth. With Nugenics Total T, you get the same clinical potency levels as used in the trials, and Nugenics's formulation is bl- backed by 10 years of science and research. So give it a shot, my friends. Get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text COLLEGE to 231-231. Text now and get that free bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their f- most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. So once again, text COLLEGE to 231-231. Once again, text COLLEGE to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Terms apply. All available at Nugenics.com slash terms. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked on Cougars your first listen of the day. Going to pull this up here, uh, get my questions out of the way get to here on our Twitter feed at Locked on Cougars. We'll start off with a good friend of ours, Nick Lee, obviously one of the hosts up there doing Locked on Seahawks. If you happen to be a Seattle Seahawks fan, I'm a Niners fan, so we've got a little bit of enmity there with me and Nick, but we're also good buds at the same time. Send in a great question here, and you can find Nick at Nick Lee 51 says, I feel like Kalani Sitake's identity as BYU's coach has been established. BYU you can be competitive with just about anybody in the country and they also can lay an egg at any moment. Is it a matter of BYU needing to learn how to better deal with success or do they drink the rat poison, uh, quote-unquote? Now, that's a very interesting thing because I will agree that BYU in many ways has played up and down to the level of their competition throughout Kalani Satake's tenure. I felt like during the 2020 season and last season, even the first half of last season, I guess the back half, it kind of goes against what I'm going to talk about here. I feel like BYU had kind of shed that label and just essentially played ball the way that they wanted to play ball, uh, especially during that 2020 season. I know that the, the... the 
competition level during that 2020 campaign was not anything compared to what last year's schedule was or even this year's is. But I think BYU just needs to focus on being who they are. Identify that you are a team that's going to go out and bully people and play to that level. I think we saw a little bit of the BYU. Ed Lamb said it. He felt like the stage was too big for BYU in that matchup when they went up there to Eugene. So hopefully, Nick, they can get back to being just who they are. Identify, like I said, I guess he says, you you know the identity. He says they can play with anybody, but also lay an egg. Well, you'd like to see them just kind of become more consistent in who they are. And that is one of those big, bad teams that you know is going to bully you when you get out there on the football field. Next one up from our good friend Jordan Kennard at JKBYU01. Any fear from BYU team or coaches that more players may leave if they feel they are not being used enough or efficiently enough on the team? And is the team breaking apart uniting because of the situation? And what he's referring to is the Dallin Holker situation. Now, Jordan, I I can't speak directly to how the team's going about things because I I don't have a fly on the wall that can tell me exactly what's going on in the locker room. But the bigger thing is, I think that the transfer portal, it's always going to be an issue. If a player feels like he's not getting the requisite touches he feels like, or he's not being featured enough, or he's not getting the opportunity he's looking for, well, that transfer portal's there to open the door for them to find greener pastures and hopefully find an opportunity to contribute. With the Dallin Holker situation, I... I wish him well. I honestly do. I hope that he finds the right spot for him. Aaron Roderick said it in practice yesterday, uh, and he said that I, I missed that kid. He said it was a shock when he heard that uh, Dallin was leaving the program, and you can kind of tell on his face. If you saw the video of this, I apologize. I probably should have pulled the video, but you could tell it, he's torn up about this. It, it, it's tough to see one of your better players leave the program in very abrupt fashion. Uh, him leaving midseason, make of that what you will. I don't necessarily think it's the greatest look, but at the same time, if he has any hopes of uh, preserving that second year of eligibility at the new school he may end up at, he had to do it at this point. Maybe he could have played against Wyoming and then done it, but he's exiting stage right, and so be it. You move on with that. Up next, Ryan Welling at Ryan underscore Welling says, uh, what is the latest on BYU basketball recruiting? It sounds like there were several four-star basketball recruits on campus over the past couple of weeks. In particular, I'll, I'll specify that, Ryan, in particular, the weekend of the Baylor game. Uh, BYU had four four-star athletes on campus campus. And all I got to say about BYU basketball recruiting is Mark Pope is not afraid to swing for the fences. Uh, If you've been paying attention to what Vanquish the Foe's been doing, Robbie McCombs, who may be the most uh, connected BYU basketball reporter right now, uh, Mark Pope went all the way to Madagascar to to watch Malik uh, Diallo, who plays for Wasatch Academy down there in Mount Pleasant. He was playing in Madagascar in the U, uh, it was the FIBA basketball uh, African championships or something like that. He was the only college coach apparently that made that trip. That is the lengths that Mark Pope will go in the recruiting sphere. So I don't think that I have necessarily anything super insightful right now on the recruiting front for BYU, but I can tell you this much. They're swinging for the fences. They know that they're going into maybe the most uh, preeminent college basketball conference in the country when it comes to the Big 12. They have got to have a massive roster and talent upgrade, and I think Mark Pope is swinging for the fences and hoping to hit a few home runs along the way. Up next, Nick Chadwick and Nick Chadwick 15. He's got two different questions here. We'll get to the first one. Love is always good, but who is the disciplinarian on staff that can light a fire under the players? Sitting in Autzen Stadium last night was brutal. I feel like the game and fans demoralized me. Interesting, Nick. So... When it comes to the uh, disciplinarian, the quote-unquote, I don't know, bleep kicker, I I don't know how to necessarily describe it. 
I don't necessarily think that there's necessarily one person on the staff or on the team who has that designated role, but I think that BYU needs to have more of those guys speak up. Obviously, that game against Oregon, it felt like things just kind of cascaded out of control very, very quickly for BYU, and they were never able to recover from that avalanche they were buried under early on in this one. And uh, That can be tough to deal with, but you're right. They do need to have some more people step up and be those quote-unquote leaders and say, guys, we ain't putting up with this anymore. Let's just go out there and do our thing. I think a guy like Jaron Hall, he leads by example. He's not necessarily a guy who's going to be ripping into a teammate uh, telling him what to do. I think we saw a lot of how he operates with that hug for Jake Oldroyd. Now, I know Jake is persona non grata right now for BYU fans because of his missed kicks, but uh, that's the way kind of Jaron decides to go about things. Our other guys more outspoken? Yeah, I think a guy like Puka Nakua, you've probably seen it. Uh, even though he's been injured, he has been a guy who's been in the middle of these huddles, just hyping guys up and getting them ready to go. So, maybe if they can identify a few more of those guys, that's the way it go, to go about it. Now, with regards to who might be doing that on the staff, I think there are some guys like, uh, when they need to, guys like Preston Hadley can get after dudes. I even think that a guy like Kalani Satake, he, when he needs to, he'll he'll rip his guys. He'll he'll. He'll get into him. He that, that's one thing I can assure you. Kalani is not afraid when he feels like guys need correction or he needs to get them fired up. Kalani will will tear into his guys, and I think guys like Preston Hadley, some guys like Gennaro Guilford. I think on the offensive line, I think of guys like uh, um, who am I thinking of? Or Harvey Unga when he needs to. Harvey seems like a super laid back dude, but trust me. There is an alpha competitor in Harvey, so I think those are the guys that can kind of step forward, hopefully, and uh, be able to just get these guys going a little bit. But I think it starts with, starts with Kalani Satake, if you want somebody on the staff with regards to that. All right, next thing. I, I feel like the defense hasn't... This comes from Nick Chadwick once again. I feel like the defense hasn't changed much with Tuiaki. Does the wholesale changes need to happen? Uh, example of being a uh, Ty Detmer being fired to get the defense up to snuff. He says the Celia Acera pickup was huge, but no progress has been made on the D-line and recruiting or player development to get the defense to where it can not where it can help not hurt. Now, Nick, I'm I'm going to acknowledge. I think that uh, your question there. I probably should actually be sharing this uh, page so you guys can see these questions. Let's do that real quick while I'm talking here. I, I think your your reaction is more uh, due in part to what's going on uh, with regards to the loss against Oregon, and for good reason. Let, let me be very very uh, blunt about that because I think there are a lot of BYU fans who were not happy about how things went with. Oregon, nor should you. You should not be satisfied with how BYU performed in that one. Now, with regards to Iaki, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't see anybody getting fired over that one game. I know that there's the hashtag fire Tuiaki stuff out there, blah, 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 blah. Let me just uh, sum it up by saying um, I think there's a better chance of me being hired as BYU's next recruiting coordinator than Elisa Tuiaki being fired as BYU's defensive coordinator. That Probably should sum that up. All right. Uh, next thing, Jason Kelly at Jason K. Redline saying, is our coaching staff focused on chasing higher ranked recruits? Kalani has criticized a lot for that. What's our strategy? Well, Jason, I- I'll be honest. I- I've seen a nice uptick actually of late from BYU in the recruiting sphere. They've actually done a very good job when it comes to going out and trying to chase higher level athletes. Think of guys like Jackson Bowers, a four-star tight end for BYU. I'll be honest. I, I would have thought that maybe four 
four or five years ago when the Big 12 is all but just rumors and maybe this happens one day. That type of stuff, Jackson Bowers is probably not playing at BYU. Now that BYU is making it to the quote-unquote big time, they are now in the Big 12. They've made it to the Power 5 level. That's a huge recruiting chip that BYU now has in their back pocket, and it has already paid dividends in this upcoming recruiting class. Like I said, Jackson Bowers is just one example. I don't think he ends up at BYU without the Power 5 affiliation. I think the guy like Ethan Thomason, who just recently committed as well, a high-level three-star talent, who borderline four-star guy, he probably doesn't commit out of Colorado. He probably goes somewhere where he can play in the Big 12, etc., as an offensive lineman. But BYU now making it to the big time, yes, BYU starting to chase a lot more guys, it feels like, and that hopefully will result in more uh, talent on the field for the Cougars overall. That, that's the overall hope, let's be real. Like, that's what we're all kind of gunning for. So, uh, great questions. We'll continue to get to these. We'll answer as many as we can in our time remaining, but first I need to talk to you about our friends over at Bet Online. They are your number one source for all of your football betting info this season, my friends. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find, both college and pro. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-minute scores for every sport out there. It is also the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events in other sports, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, golf, and the NBA is coming soon, my friends. NBA training camps open up next week. So head to Bet Online and use your mobile device to learn more now. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. All right, back to the questions here. Uh, let's go check out what McKay Bennett's got for us here. Not looking or expecting a perfect team, but at this point, I really need something to put my faith and attention on. Since Jaron is obviously going to continue to kill it, aside from our QB situation, what position group are you most hopeful for with the remaining games left? Now, that's an interesting question, McKay, because I'm with you. Jaron is obviously going to be the man. He, he proved that against Oregon. He was far from the weak link in that game. He's the, actually the chief strength for BYU offensively in that game. Now, the position group I'm most hopeful for with the remaining games left, I am hopeful for a resurgent offensive line performance. This offensive line, the last two games, has performed in the run game in particular be, below their capability. I believe this offensive line is still uber talented. They just need to get in sync and get things going. As I said on yesterday's edition of the show, I feel like they need to settle that right side of the offensive line. If it's going to be Kingsley Suamataia, make him the full-time guy at right tackle. If it's going to be Campbell Barrington, give him the keys. If you have a question at guard with Harris Lachance, let Joe Tukuafu have a run at it, but settle who your top five guys are for BYU, help them develop some continuity, and hopefully that will res- yield better results for BYU in the run game. I, I'm, it's not a cure-all. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the one thing that fixes things, but I I really do think that the offensive line is going to have a resurgent year. Now, our next question actually is related here. Justin Pullman at uh, JP, Justin Pullman on Twitter. On paper, we have a solid O-line, like I just said. Is Baylor and Oregon's run defense that good, or are we not as talented on the O-line? Like I said, I think this offensive line is still plenty talented. I do think Baylor, uh, their rush defense is absolutely elite. Oregon, I think... uh 
they're maybe not as elite as they as we thought, but they have uber talented athletes. We're talking uber athletes all over the field for Oregon. So they, I feel like in many ways, just out athleted BYU in this game. They did not necessarily have the perfect scheme. They just had better athletes who were making plays on that day. And I think which is how things were spiraling for BYU. In many ways, the momentum was going against them. It's hard to hold any momentum. Well, excuse me, when you're buried under the avalanche that they were early on in that one. So I think that BYU will be okay on the offensive line. I know that I'm kind of staking my reputation on that, but I've got some faith that they're going to bounce back, and I think it starts this week against Wyoming. Next one coming in, Colby Nelson at Colby underscore Nelson 16 on Twitter. Any missionaries coming home or other tight end recruits they are targeting other than Jackson Bowers? Uh, I think I mentioned this yesterday. Bentley Redden is coming into BYU this uh, winter. He will be a January enrollee coming off of a mission. He is a high-level three-star prospect from San Clemente, California, the same uh, high school program that produced Isaac Rex. Uh, Redden, I think, is an absolutely phenomenal athlete. He comes into BYU as a guy who is expecting to contribute right away. The nice part is, as I also said on yesterday's podcast when I talked about the Dallin Holker situation, you've already got Ethan Erickson there, who's still very young. you got guys like Lane Lunt and Carter Wheat who are chomping at the bit. Anthony Olsen is a highly thought-of walk-on from Olympus High School here locally in the Salt Lake area who actually decommitted from Utah to come to BYU to play tight end. So honestly, I think with Jackson Bowers and Redden and Rolling, uh, the other guys already there. You also have Isaac Rex and Mason Wake in theory back for another year next year. That tight end position, I think even with, Car- uh, not Carter Wheat, uh, even with Dallin Holker exiting, I think it's still very, very strong. Nate Slack, our good friend at Nate Slack 5, saying, going forward, what can BYU coaches do to prevent players from transferring in the middle of the season? It seems like Holker has been set on leaving longer than just three weeks. Now, I can't speak to the last part of that. I don't know when Dallin Holker decided, you know what, it's time for me to exit, but I think that BYU, the biggest thing is you're not be, you're not going to be able to control that. If a guy is upset and unwilling to do what he is asked to do and decide, you know what, I'm better off playing elsewhere, I think you just kind of have to wish him well and say thanks and move along. The other, but the weird thing about this, like I, like I said on yesterday's show, if you didn't go back and listen, if you didn't listen to it yesterday, the thing is, he cannot enter the transfer portal formally until December 5th. Now, the NCAA did clarify yesterday that graduated players can go into the NCAA transfer portal at any point. There is no uh, regulation on when they can enter the transfer portal if they've graduated. I have no insight as to if Dallin Holker has already graduated at BYU, but I would guess that he has not graduated quite yet. So, therefore, he is bound under NCAA rules to have to wait until December 5th to enter the NCAA transfer portal. Is he going to withdraw from school? What's he going to do uh, to keep himself in shape in the meantime? That I have no clue about, but I I don't know necessarily that you can do much to stop that other than just to love your guys up. Kalani talks about a culture of love and learning. Well, guys are feeling the love and they feel like they're being uh, contributing members of the program. They're probably more likely to stick around. I, I like, and Let's be honest. Kalani Satake's run at BYU has seen very rel- well, relatively few transfers out of the program. So I'm not all that concerned about BYU suddenly becoming like this sieve where they're just having guys enter the transfer portal left and right. I could be wrong about that, but I, I'm banking on the fact that I think it's more of a, an exception with regards to Holker versus that being the rule moving forward here. All right, next one, Kalani Shades at Kalani Shades on Twitter. With what you know about Kalani and your experience with him, do you think he is a guy who could ever be swayed to a different Power 5 program like Bronco, or is BYU the retirement destination so long as they stay consistent? Also, thoughts on Bronco as the future defensive coordinator. Let's get to that last one first. Uh, Bronco, in theory, 
would be a phenomenal defensive coordinator for BYU. Bronco has no interest in going backwards and being a defensive coordinator based on what I understand. I would encourage you guys to check it out. It's called Head Coaching U or HCU. It's a podcast that he is doing with Brian Fisher, and it's a phenomenal podcast. Bronco talks a lot about what he's looking to do. He sounds like he is intent coming up this coming off season to get back into the hiring cycle and become a head coach at another program. I just don't see him being a defensive coordinator. I, and by the way, I also don't think that him and Kalani Satake philosophically, I don't think they would necessarily mix. I think they get along just fine. I just don't think a working relationship is going to flourish between the two. I, I, that's just my personal opinion. Now, your other question. Uh, do you think that he could be, uh, speaking of Kalani, could be swayed like Bronco to go to another program? Well, money talks. Let's be real. If a program, let's say, has Alabama type money and can throw 11 or 12 or heck 15 million dollars a year at Kalani Satake he'd be insane not to take that opportunity and but yeah it just it wouldn't it would make no sense for him not to take a job like that barring something like that something crazy I actually think Kalani is very, very happy where he's at in Provo. He's home in many ways. This is where he grew up in, uh, for part of his life. He always wanted to play for BYU. He rooted for the Cougars as a kid. He is at home in Provo with the Cougars. The new deal that BYU gave him, the added resources that gave the football program, etc., that stuff cannot be understated how important it was to make sure that he stayed in Provo this past offseason. Now, I think that they will continue to have to up the ante a little bit every so often to uh, ward off newcomers. I'm sure Arizona State's going to kick the tires on him. I'm sure Nebraska would be dumb not to call and see what his interest level is. Any program out there who has aspirations of being a high-level program are probably going to make inquiries about Kalani Sitake's status with regards to wanting to leave BYU, but I think if BYU continues, like I said, to be consistent what you said, Kalani Shades, as long as they remain consistent in making sure that he is supported and he feels like he is loved, etc., I don't see him necessarily looking to jump ship. I think he loves being in Provo. Bronco, he always wanted to play for BYU, never got the opportunity. He was an outsider in many ways. Kalani has been in the program. He is a Cougar. A lot of guys on his staff have been through this program. They know what BYU is all about. That cannot be undersold right now, folks. You have to understand the unique dynamic that BYU holds. And I got no ill will against Bronco. He had his quirks, obviously, but he was uber successful. He won 99 games over 11 seasons at BYU, nearly a 10-win-a-season clip uh, during his time leading the Cougars. You cannot argue with the success that Bronco had. So uh, I think the the difference is that Kalani is a BYU guy through and through. And I think that he is intent to uh, play... to play things out as a member of the BYU fraternity. Uh, he's got a lot of guys on his staff, like I said, who are members of the BYU uh, football fraternity, and they'd love nothing more than to lead BYU back to the heights that they accomplished under guys like Lavelle Edwards. I think that's what Kalani hopes to do, and getting into the Big 12 opens that opportunity. Having a 12-team playoff opens that that opportunity as well. There are a lot of things going for BYU right now. The hope is they can carry that momentum, and hopefully some momentum from a big season this year in theory, into Big 12 play and just capitalize on it. There's going to be a power vacuum at the top of the Big 12. It sounds like they're, the, the Texas and Oklahoma deal, they're going to remain in the SEC until at least 2024. But once they exit, there is truly going to be a power vacuum at the top of that conference. Could BYU enter and within a few short years suddenly find themselves in the top half of that conference? It's not out of the realm of possibility. I, I'm serious about this. I think BYU could be a power player in that league despite being a neophyte at the Power 5 level. The biggest thing is 
though, they need to make sure that Kalani and his staff feel like they have the necessary resources, they have the guys in the building, all of that. They need to be able to feel like they have the opportunity to succeed at that top level. Now, going back to Nick's first question, could they uh, lay an egg anytime? Yeah, absolutely. But I think, that, going back to that question real quick, I think laying an egg in many ways is like indicative of what, or not indicative, it's... Um, uh, what am I trying to say? It's one of those things. It's just it's unique to college football. These are young men. These are men 18 to in BYU's case sometimes 24, 25 years old. They're still very, very young men. Inconsistency is part of how they go about things. You'd never quite know what their mood is going to be day to day. They may have a girlfriend break up with them one day and they're down the next, and the, the next day they got a girlfriend. And there, there's so many things that move guys' motions up and down in this age group. Chris Peterson said it himself. This is the dumbest age group in America. And he didn't mean that as a really, really bad thing. He just said, this is a very impressionable group and they go up and down as it goes. So unless you're Alabama in many ways, it feels like there is going to be those inevitable down moments where, yeah, you lay that egg proverbially against an opponent that you probably shouldn't have. But the nice part is I think BYU is trending more towards being that consistent winner that I think Cougar fans have hoped for, yearned for, especially since the end of the Lavelle Edwards area. And I think the tail end of the Bronco era, it was getting more inconsistent in many ways. But at the same time, I think Kalani, he loves BYU, and I think he's got every intention of sticking around. All right, uh, two more questions here. I've got two more I need to answer before we go, and let me pull the one here. It came in on a via, uh, another message. All right, this comes from Brandon. Is there any hint of tampering in the in-season recruiting of Dallin Holker? He says the whole situation seems fishy. Um, I have heard nothing about tampering being the case in this. If I do hear anything about that, Brandon, I'd be happy to pass it along, but nothing that I have heard indicates to me that tampering was the reason for him exiting the program. Now, the other one real quick comes from Lindsey Sawyer at Sawyer underscore Lindsey saying, what does the QB room look like next year if Jaron goes to the NFL? Well, it's Jacob Conover, it's Cade Fennigan, it's Soljay Maiava-Peters, it's Nick Billups, and I'm sure BYU at that point is probably going to look at the transfer portal. If they can find a high-level quarterback, they feel like is a power five level guy to come in and compete for the quarterback job, they will bring him in. But the four guys that are on the roster behind Jaron right now, I fully expect them to be back next year because they got to be thinking, okay, once Jaron's done, that could be my job. I know that seems uh, far too simplistic in many ways, but that's how things look. But I also would expect that Aaron Roderick, Kalani Sitake, that brain trust, they'd be looking at the transfer portal as well. If there's a guy out there they feel like is capable of coming in, competing, they kicked the tires on Gary Bohannon from Baylor this past year. That ESPN reported that. BYU had offered him as a grad transfer out of, out of Baylor. So they are not going to just kind of sit on their hands and say, no, we're good at this position. They're going to always evaluate the talent base, and if they can add a body, add a guy to a position group, especially one as important as quarterback that they feel like can help them win, you better believe they're going to pursue that opportunity uh, as, a, as a coaching staff. All right, there you go. That's it. All the questions I think I could get through, I think I actually, actually answered every one of them. So I think we did a good job. So thank you, by the way, to all of you for your questions, as always. A huge thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you checking us out, even if it's on YouTube or you're watching us in theory. Thank you for taking the time to check out the show. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review the show wherever you find it, whether it's on the regular podcast feed, 
regular podcast feeds or on YouTube. And also make sure to make your second listen, our friends over the Lockdown Big 12 podcast. You want a kind of a more macro view of BYU's new conference home? Make it part of your listening repertoire right now. Josh Neighbors does an incredible job making sure you're up to speed on everything going on in the Big 12 conference. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube, just like this show. All right, that'll do it for us. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.